We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Listening to Weird Distractions Podcast, a weekly podcast where we rotate between true crime, conspiracy theories, paranormal stories, folklore, a little bit of this and a little bit of that to provide you, and more than likely what your accountant considers a weird distraction from everyday life. I am one of your hosts, Alex, and this week, as Christy is taking a break, I am joined by the lovely Dom of the Horror House True Crime Podcast. So thank you so much for coming on and thank you for kind of taking Christy's spot over while she takes a break, aka while she works. No problem. Yeah, Christy sounds a little bit different this week, guys. So, you know. (laughs) Christy's voice has really changed. I know, right? (laughs) Christy sounds different, man. What's going on? (laughs) I mean, the British accent won. (laughs) Yes, but the accent alone, which Christy's not notorious for accents, but for some reason, she's really got this one down packed. Oh, she's nailing the British accent. (laughs) (laughs) So... I kind of figured it would be on brand to discuss another true crime case because you are a true crime podcaster. We discuss true crime. I think it just makes the most sense. But before we get into that and before we kind of talk about what we need a distraction from this week, I wanted to give you kind of a moment to tell the Weird Distractions listeners what your show is about, Horror House, and just a little bit more about you as a person. Who are you? <laughs> For those that are listening and who are like, what is this, you know, UK Christy <laughs> is, talking about? <laughs> that is a good question. <laughs> Who am I? I, I, t- I ask myself, I ask myself yes. that every single day. <laughs> Existential crisis, Dom. Who am I? <laughs> so, so Horror House is a true crime podcast. Um, I like to call it a delectable delight of true crime and the macabre. Very good. It's good, isn't it? And I'm, I'm looking to do a bit more, or sort of branch out a bit more. Um, so I want to start doing some more paranormal stuff. I want to start doing nice. some more unsolved stuff. Yes, we love um, that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm <laughs> going to be recording a collab on Monday, which is about Heaven's Gate cult. So I'm going to be doing some more <gasps> cult stuff. Ooh, nice. So, That's a doozy. So yeah, it is. I've been looking at the, I've been reading up on it and I'm like, man, the, this is, cults are insane. Very much. Just don't, don't join a cult people just, just don't just don't like, do it. just don't look at you know look at just don't <laughs> you do don't it. even need to look just, <laughs> just don't, don't do you it. just know um, it sounds bad don't do it no just don't do it um so so yeah if you love the the macabre if you love things that are a bit more if you're just a sick puppy like i am i'm not gonna lie <laughs> then you know i'm sure i'm sure you'll find something and you know we we can we can welcome you in with a cup of tea and we can get cozy and we can we can have have a little fun. Um I love that. As for where you can as for where you can find the podcast, uh it is on all podcasting apps, you know, your Spotify, your Apple Podcasts, your Good Pods, yada yada yada. And on Instagram and Twitter, you'll find it at horrorhouse underscore pod. There is a Facebook page at horrorhouse pod. I will admit that I am 
a lot more active on Instagram and Twitter. I've sort of neglected the Facebook page. I'm sorry, Facebook page. You're getting no love at the moment. I think a lot of podcasters <laughs> have the same thing with Facebook. Like Facebook is such like a, yeah. <laughs> we have it, it's there, but it's it's kind of like the neglected plant yeah. that doesn't need as much water it each is, month. It is. It is. It's it's the least favorite child. It's the middle yep, child. The middle child. <laughs> Facebook is the, <laughs> is the middle child. But yeah, come come give me a follow um, and come and listen. We will welcome yeah, you with open arms. With open arms, and I love your show. I uh, I was just listening to what was it? I know I have your Moore's Murders in my queue right now. That episode, oh, I am that's, that's so a long one as well. Interested to hear your take on it because that is a doozy of a case there's so much to unpack there but i was listening to one and i just love the way that you tell a story in the sense that it's engageable and it's not you know that very monotone and then he stabbed her 78 times and by the time that she was found (laughs) her head was you know what i mean it's it's not monotone so if that for those listening if you like the monotone stuff trust me definitely the that it has its own niche, but that's not Dom's podcast. Dom's podcast is amazing, and you should definitely check it out. Oh, but Dom, stop. stop! Don't stop! Stop! <laughs> stop! I didn't. Oh, I didn't ask her going. to say any of this, honestly. Um, yeah, it's. Uh... I am not being paid for that. <laughs> that is free. <laughs> but, but thank you, thank you so much. Um, also, Anytime. if Anytime. you love. Very dry British humor, then you'll like the podcast. If you like it's very, very dry, very dry British humor. <laughs> love it. I love it. Now, what do you need a distraction from this week? I know I asked you before if you <sighs> want to do the distraction piece, and you're like, what is it? What, what don't I need a distraction from? So I'm dying to hear. <laughs> what don't I need a distraction from? Um, I'm the, the fact that I have less than two months until I graduate university. I need a distraction from that. Oh my gosh. What are you taking university? <laughs> right. So I study film, radio, and television. And it, oh, it's wow. partly why I started the podcast, if I'm honest, because in my second year, I mm-hmm. did a module, which was sort of like a media in the digital age sort of module. And one of the assignments was to do a, a sort of mini podcast episode. And I'd never done a podcast before. I'd actually never listened to a podcast before. I wasn't really interested in them before wow. this point. And I, I did this assignment and it sort of got me thinking oh about gosh. them a bit more. Right. And then... Yeah, at the start of my final year, I started my little podcasts and and yeah, that's that's how that came about. But yeah, I'm in my final year of study. Um I all the teaching is done now, so it's literally just handing in assignments and I've got I've got three or four deadlines. I know one of them's a dissertation, one of them's a final project, final year project. Um then there's two 2000 word essays there's a analysis of my final year project that i'm gonna have to write up as well so oh my gosh. yeah that's a lot um that's a lot and i've and i of course i've i've left left it all very late because oh I'd, my I'm gosh so that's a lot so bad that every is a time lot. every time you know it's funny that you mentioned that because christy is also a really big procrastinator so anytime she ever does an episode of her own on the show or anything, she will literally get it done the day of, if not the night before. And she always, well, not always, but she'll get kind of 
stressed about it. And I'm like, why don't you just start when we agree that that's, you know, and she's like, Alex, you know me by now. I'm a procrastinator. I have to do it that way. But it, I mean, hey, you still put out good work. So yeah, my, my excuse is that diamonds are made under pressure. Exactly. Hey, very true. So very true. You know, oh my god. I think I've lowered myself into like a a full sense of security where <laughs> I've I've done it before, where I've I've started a two thousand word essay like the week of the deadline. Um and I've I've still managed to get like a first on it or I've got like a, a really good oh grade gosh. from it. And I think that's now given me a very, very bad trait of oh, it's fine. <laughs> I will start this three <laughs> days before the submission and I'll still get a, at least a decent grade for it. Oh my <laughs> God. Like if you learn anything from me, don't learn my study habits. <laughs> like, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Oh my people. gosh. <laughs> exactly. Well, exactly. Oh my goodness. I, uh, I don't miss those days of university, but I will say my need for distraction is work. It's always work because once you're out of university, it's just, it's the trade-off, right? It's you're stressing out about assignments, tests, and all that stuff. And then as soon as you're out, you're like, yeah, I don't have to worry about that anymore. But then you're worried about work. So that's my need for distraction. I'm not going to get into it because who we'd be here for a very long time. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) It's fine. I... I work part time in retail oh, alongside my studies, so I know I know you're paid. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're paid. Yeah. My my it's manager's just listening, just being like, "Oh man, dumb, what the fuck?" Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. it's not any of the staff that I work with, no. not honestly. Um, but no, retail, it's <laughs> retail. Everyone knows what retail's like. So oh yeah, been there, done that. Never going back. That's it. That's it. So are you ready for this week's true crime distraction? I'm extremely ready. Lay it on me. Okay. This week, I kind of wanted to pick a case close to where you're from, being in the UK, because we don't really, I mean, I try to get us over there in terms of cases, but I find recently it's been more Canadian or, you know, US cases that we've covered. So I've never heard of the case we're discussing today. The case, as for... You know, our listeners that may have already read from the title is the murder of Claire Tiltman. Now, have you heard of Claire Tiltman before? Never, never heard of this. All right. So before we begin, I'm going to give a big trigger warning for this episode for discussions of murder, rape, mentions of graphic details, and obviously other adult-like themes, which may not be suitable for children or those that perhaps just aren't in a good headspace listening today. They, You might want to take a break. Totally fine. Um, I will also say that there's a lot of information out there about the case, but I ran into a lot of discrepancies. So as per every true crime, as per every case, I shouldn't say just true crime, but with every case we cover, if there's discrepancies or if there's so much information, we're trying to we're trying to gather what feels or what is most consistent. But obviously, with that being said, we're just going off what we see online. So yeah. some things could be wrong. You never know. Hopefully not. But that's kind of a... We do what we can. Exactly. We do what we can. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So let's talk about Claire. So she was born January 14th, 1977 to parents Linda and Cliff Tiltman. She is a fellow Capricorn like myself. And yes, I hold that dear to my heart. Because (laughs) there's very few Capricorns we get to talk about on Weird Distractions. So anytime we do, I'm like, oh, yay. Someone like me. Do you get all... Do you get all Leos? No, not yet. Well, I think we might have had a Leo once or twice. 
you got to watch out for the Leos. Got to watch out for Leos, Pisces, <laughs> Scorpios. Yeah, the Sagittarii or Sagittarius, yeah, yeah. however you want to pronounce it. But yeah, feisty. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> so I'm unsure where Claire was born, but from the information I did come across, I believe the that around the time she was a teenager, she and her parents resided in Greenheith, Kent. Now, when I mentioned to you that I was doing a Green Heights case, I think you said, I don't know where that is. And I, I panicked. I was like, oh, God, <laughs> did I pick a place that like isn't even in the UK? Where <laughs> So I had to Google Maps it last night. I believe it's about 30 minutes away from where you are, if I'm not mistaken, roughly. Okay. Under an hour. Okay. It's closer to London than anything else, really. Okay. To be honest, I've, I've probably on the way to london on the train gone past it and i just i just haven't even bothered to look um how bad is it how bad is it that I, that you were like do you know where this is and i was just like i've no fucking idea i've never heard of it um like, i should just i should just like my, I'll, myself i'll do this myself i'll just strip myself of my british citizenship because you know what just just hand it in just, just hand it in i'll, I'll send my passport like just i'd I'll have a nomad passport and I splat. Yes. I don't belong anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, who knows? Maybe now that you've heard of it, it'll come up more closer. Maybe. That's usually maybe. what I find. Maybe. Right? I'll be on Facebook later and the algorithm will just be like, so, you know that place? <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. I do now. You want to go to Green yeah. Heights for a weekend, don't you? It's like, what? No. I only said it twice. <laughs> um, so the information that she and her family lived in Green Heights was kind of backed up from information noting that she had went to the Dartford Grammar School for Girls. So there's that little tidbit of information. Okay. In terms of Claire's personality, it has been documented that Claire was known to be a very outgoing kind popular girl with brown hair and a pale complexion her grandfather mr wally marshmond made a comment in a daily telegraph article that claire had a lot of friends and was loved by everyone which you know it's absolutely going to pull on the old heartstrings anytime you have quotes like that oh yes (laughs) oh yes (laughs) you're you're in for a, a doozy to say the least so claire has been further described as having a dry sense of humor quick wit and overall to sound to be someone everyone wanted to connect with. Reports that I came across online claimed that Claire had aspirations to become a firefighter, presumably the first female firefighter in her area, which... Wow. That's awesome. That is amazing. Yeah. That is actually amazing. Right? Today's story with Claire, though, has us focusing on when she was still in high school, uh, specifically when she was 16 years old and in the 11th grade. On January 18th, so about four days after her 16th birthday of 1993, Claire was reportedly on her way to her friend Vicky's home within Greenheith at approximately 6 p.m. According to the Daily Telegraph article, Claire had informed her mom, Linda, that she'd be home by 7.30 p.m. that same evening. So no sleepover, not really a long visit, but just she was just going over to Vicky's house. I believe her father, Cliff, was at work, so he wasn't home. It was just Linda and Vicky. And Claire allegedly took a presumed shortcut on the way to Vicky's house through an alleyway, maybe to avoid the busy Main Street, okay. which is named London Street. Ooh. Yep. Anytime you hear an alleyway, you're like... Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Yep. <laughs> yeah, immediately alarm bells. Ah. Duh, no, exactly. Stay, stay, stay exactly. where there's cars and 
Yep. So by 7.50 p.m., Claire wasn't home yet. So Linda Tiltman had called Vicky's house in which she was informed that Claire had never arrived. Linda was informed by a neighbor that there had been an accident near Green Heights. So kind of, I guess... I want to say that the family lived maybe on the outskirts of Green High, so there was an accident more so in town. According to the Seeing Red podcast, Linda presumed that perhaps Claire got caught up in all the traffic, hence why she was late. But Linda probably still carried some worries as to why Claire wasn't home yet. Uh, The neighbor that had informed Linda about the accident went with Linda to the police station so that Linda could notify police about her missing 16-year-old daughter in which police supposedly informed Linda that there had been an incident involving Claire and that she needed to go home. Oh, shit. Prior to Linda and Cliff being informed about the worst, there was someone else who was nearby the incident in Green Heights that I wanted to kind of introduce. Okay. So a 19-year-old male by the name of Peter Brooks was nearby his home on January 18th when, unbeknownst to him, his life would be changed forever. I say that because Peter would be introduced to Claire but not in a pleasant way that we kind of all hope for. Peter came across an extremely injured Claire. She had been attacked in which some accounts claim that she had been stabbed nine to 40 times. So there's a huge discrepancy. Huge, like massive. Like there, there were so many articles that said she had been stabbed 40 plus times. And then others that just said nine. So I'm like, okay, ballpark. We're just going to say nine to 40. But that's, that's a massive it's not like you'd be like, oh, so nine to, you know, nine to 10, no, nine to 40. Nine to 40. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> Such a massive chasm. Yep, exactly. Jeez. So in a direct quote from a Daily Telegraph article by Wendy Holden, quote, Peter Brooks, 19 of London Road, Green Heights, claimed to be among the first to find Claire, 16, when she stumbled out of an alleyway near his home on Monday night with wounds to her throat and her stomach. So I believe those were the primary stab locations, which awful. I mean, that's yeah, yeah, no one wants to be stabbed anywhere, but I just you see in horror movies that when someone's stabbed in the throat, like a lot, a lot of blood can project, right? Like that's just a messy scene and a very painful place to be to be stabbed, right? I mean, it's all painful, but you catch you catch my drift. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And the stomach as well. Yeah. So Peter, as mentioned, would be one of the few who saw Claire before she tragically succumbed to her visible wounds at the scene. As mentioned earlier, she was only 16 years old and had been brutally murdered. Peter wasn't the only one to lay witness to the tragic scene as mentioned, and he wasn't the only one to see the potential perpetrator. Supposedly, six others laid witness to a man fleeing the area as the commotion began, and luckily Peter was able to go to the Dartford police station to provide an eyewitness description. The case, it wouldn't be a quick open and shut though, and that that's kind of why this case is so heart-wrenching. Um, yeah. Even though there was a lot of eyewitness testimony and some odd behavior from our perpetrator, who we will be discussing shortly, it took police a very long time yeah. to close this case. So Claire would be buried in February of 1993, in which family, friends, and members of the community would be in attendance for her funeral. In a BBC interview that I watched, her parents kind of shared their fears that whoever did this to Claire was still out and about in the community. And not only that, but they were really afraid that whoever did it was at the funeral because there were so many people in attendance. I think over 200 people had showed up. Whoa. Yeah. She was a very 
I mean, like I said before, she was very popular. She had a lot of friends. You know, she basically made friends with everybody or at least was a, a kind, gentle acquaintance to everybody. So the... F- I, yeah. I I envy the people who, <laughs> who can, like, make friends with everyone. On it, The thought of, like, going up to someone I don't know and striking a conversation terrifies me. Oh, absolutely. Like, uh, anxiety yeah, through the roof. That's next level. Like Exactly. You know, I mean, just anything like that, you know, going up to someone and asking for their number or something, just, oh, no, no, terrified. Nope. No, no, nope. <laughs> nope, exactly. But Claire, based on what I gathered, she was just that kind of person that just did it with ease. Even if she, maybe she had social anxiety, but she persevered through it and she made a lot of connections so i I, yeah when i saw that there were 200 people at her funeral it was like wow okay this is someone who had a big impact on the community or and or her parents did too right yeah which i'm assuming a lot of people are wondering who the hell did this like what why and why claire like of all people why her um so this kind of shifts us into talking about the suspect the suspect The suspect, yes. So we're going to discuss a Mr. Colin Ash Smith. Have you ever heard of Colin Ash Smith before? No, but because he's got like two first names, (laughs) I am am suspicious. Yes, automatic (laughs) suspicious. suspicious. Yes. (laughs) So he was born sometime in 1968 to parents Aubrey and Diane Ash Smith. Similar to Claire, he was the only child in his family. The Ash Smith family apparently resided in Swanscombe, or Swanscombe? Swanscombe? Is that how you pronounce it? Swanscombe. Swanscombe, okay. Yeah, so pretty much the way you did it. like. Okay, just... okay. It just sounds bad coming from me because I'm <laughs> disturbingly Canadian. So every time I try to pronounce any kind of like UK towns, I'm like, uh, this doesn't sound authentic. I've, I mean, I've heard a lot worse. <laughs> like every time okay. an American will say like Birmingham, I, I, I weep. <laughs> so <laughs> I die a little on the inside. It's not Birmingham. That's not, that, it's Birmingham, Birmingham. Like it's Birmingham. Birmingham. There, there, yeah. there. Birmingham. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. So they were from Swanscombe, and apparently Aubrey Ashsmith was a labor counsel. Okay. Labor counselor, uh, while his wife was also apparently a counselor, and at one point she was the mayor of the town they were they lived in. Okay. So yeah. Pretty prominent and, people and in the area. Did you say that the? Did you say that the husband was a labor counselor? Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. He's not a conservative. So I'm not going to judge yet. <laughs> if, if, if he was, a, if he's a Tory, then we're, we're going to have issues. But he's not yeah, a conservative, then, so it's, then the it's episode okay. will take a political turn very quick. <laughs> <laughs> this is no longer a true crime episode; it's politics. <laughs> oh shit! So. It's kind of interesting, and this isn't a judgment of mine, but it's. I just found it interesting. So his parents are obviously political people, um, but Colin ends up working as a milkman in his early 20s. And I don't know if that's because maybe he struggled to maintain other employment opportunities or what have you, but I don't know. I just kind of thought it was weird. A lot of times you see kids going and doing similar things to what their parents do or something to like that level but yeah he was a milkman that's very that's a very different end of the spectrum isn't it 
politician or milk yeah and i mean no shame a job is a job but i just thought it was interesting like huh okay so very very different spectrums of employment right so uh not all was kind of sunshine and rainbows in colin's life uh and like others out there he seemed to have an internal struggle of sorts with his self-esteem in one bbc article colin was once quoted to say regarding his well-being presumably around his early 20s Quote, I felt worthless, low self-esteem, and I had no confidence around other people. I wasn't happy around most people. End quote. So he's not I feel not you. doing so well. <laughs> yeah. It, also same, but yeah. <laughs> I feel I, mean, I feel I, yeah. I, I I you know, I don't I don't go and kill people because of it, but yeah, I, yeah. I, <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> yeah, we have a we have a similarity there, and I think that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> but what's interesting is uh, Colin was kind of known as his mother's golden boy, so Diane was okay. You know, referred to him as her golden boy. I'm assuming, but Colin was described as a loner who allegedly was obsessed with the case of Jack the Ripper, along with other macabre things such as collecting and hoarding knives. So. Oh, you know, um, oh, red flag. I mean, it, it's starting to make sense why he didn't really have any friends. Yeah, um. <laughs> unless he's hunting, I could see maybe that being, you know, a point yeah. of connection with people. Oh, yeah, like yeah. I, I have my hunting license. These are all my hunting knives. But he and you can, yeah. you can, you can only there are only only so many times where you can you can give people Jack the Ripper facts before it starts to become yeah. quite. Like people are like yeah like I know that's uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna passion shame you my friend but you need to stop <laughs> every party yes. you whack out the Jack the Ripper and <laughs> honestly it's becoming a bit much. There's only so many situations where getting Jack the Ripper information is acceptable, <laughs> and every day not not acceptable. Yeah yeah yeah. So yeah he. His obsessions were considerably macabre and, you know, these obsessions investigators would later find out would be tracked in a journal of sorts. So most folks journal about their emotions, thoughts, dreams, aspirations, you know, kind of fluffy stuff or maybe some sometimes intense stuff depending on what you're journaling. But Colin, on the other hand, reportedly wrote about his aspirations to murder someone and not just anyone like he he had a very specific uh, victim profile. So his primary victims would be women. Uh, No one specific, just the population of women in general. So that's fun. That's great. (laughs) Love that for for us. (laughs) My my man was an all inclusive woman murderer. All women. Doesn't matter. Just just all all women. women. (laughs) All women. In one article I read, apparently Colin hated women after feeling as if they humiliated and overlooked him, which this could be kind of further described in a daily mail article so quote police believe that ash smith who is obsessed with jack the ripper may have stalked more than a hundred women and planned hundreds of attacks before he was caught detectives found a chilling diary of his quote assault plans in which he described his first attempted murder at the age of 20 as a masterpiece he also described plans to kill at a care home and a railway station so (laughs) as soon as, as as soon as you said his name and Mr. Two First Names, I was like, okay, this is not going to nope. go well. And everything that has been said since has confirmed <laughs> my, yeah, this is, this is not going to go well, is it? This is not going to go well, yeah. And it seems as though Colin was, out of my speculation, kind of getting off on creating these plans. That That's just my yeah. hot take. That doesn't mean it's 
yeah. accurate by any means, shape, or form. But I mean, no, I, I get that. It seems like it was it was his kink, you know, and I don't want to kink yeah. shame anyone. <laughs> like, I know, but I don't want. But there's but, a difference. Yeah. Yeah. There's a difference. Like this is this is full blown yeah. homicidal ideation to the oomph degree, you know. Yes, and indeed. It's kind of scary. So this kind of brings us to some devastating situations that Colin was involved in, specifically in 1988 and 1995. So okay. I'm going to talk about the 1988 attacks first. And apparently, there were two situations that involved Colin. Now these situations really murky on details like i don't have names of victims i don't have background information on victims i've got bare bones when it comes to this but the first incident unfortunately from what i gathered from the seeing red podcast episode about the case colin had a major infatuation with a former colleague's wife so he was obsessed with a ex like a former colleague's partner and colin took things one step absolutely way too far and reportedly broke into this woman's house in which he had a knife with him oh oh colin yeah i'm not sure what transpired and this is really frustrating because all that's really out there about the situation which is kind of scattered is that he broke in he was potentially stalking this woman prior to and he had a knife with him but what i do know which was you know um kind of repeated was this quote that came out of the case. So in a direct quote, once again, from a Daily Mail article, he admitted wanting to rape one of his intended victims, the wife of a former colleague, and said, I was going to use the knife to threaten her to do anything I thought of at the time, probably sexually assault her. With that being said, I do not believe he saw any charges for this incident. I don't know if he actually did assault this person. I don't even know her name, unfortunately, as mentioned. So yeah, that's that's not, that's not good. That's not good. It's not good. <laughs> No. So the next attack, there seems to be a little bit more information about what happened, but still it's pretty scattered. So in the early hours of December 21st of 1988, then 20-year-old Colin reportedly attempted to kidnap, rape, and murder an unnamed 27-year-old woman from his hometown of Swanscombe. So according to a Daily Mail article, he kidnapped this woman outside of her house, reportedly dragged her to some nearby quarry where he began raping her. After the rape, Colin allegedly tried to murder her. He did this by first trying to strangle her with a school tie of his, then when that didn't quote-unquote work, he continued to end her life by stabbing her in the back five times jesus fucking christ yeah stabbed in the back remember that trigger warning i gave at the beginning of the episode this is why (laughs) this is an emphasis (laughs) he's not well yeah um in my opinion and just out for blood like i don't know how else to describe it for lack of a better definition but it just seems to me that he's using his victims to meet a need which is sexually related yeah no i agree but then also he is trying so hard to gain control over them and wants wants them dead i agree with that colin fled the scene apparently went back to his parents home after because he still lived at home you know he thought he was successful in all of this he thought you know what i just killed my first person this is this is my goal whatever however she survived so in another direct quote from a daily mail article to elaborate kind of on the scene further so when his victim lapsed into unconsciousness he covered her body with dirt and leaves and fled the scene the woman spent the night naked on the freezing ground before regaining consciousness when she managed to crawl down an embankment to get help from some quarry workers. She suffered life-threatening injuries and spent nine days in intensive care. End quote. 
Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And she and she survived. That's madness. She survived. She got stabbed in the back five times. <laughs> five <laughs> like, times after like being strangled too with a tie. Yeah. Just and the resilience and the the strength because I yeah, I don't amazing. I can't even fathom being in that situation. No. Um, I wonder how I wonder how close he got to making her paralyzed because obviously like you stab the wrong place in someone's back then you know that's 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 goodbye legs for for lack of a better word um so i'm i wonder like was she i wonder how close she would have been to to paralysis yeah once Colin was kind of back at his parents' house, he wrote in his diary about his, about his attack, of course, and he referred to it as his previously mentioned masterpiece. Uh, he apparently wrote that he felt he was only 95% successful, and I don't know if he wrote 95% successful because he knew that potentially his victim wasn't fully dead or what the... Mm. what was going on there but regardless he continued to write about his future plans to harm other women which brings us to 1995 so just to kind of recap a little bit too claire was murdered in 1993 so this is two years after claire's death on october 17th of 1995 then 27 year old colin reportedly attacked a 21 year old woman by the name of charlotte bernard only a mere 360 meters from where claire would be would have been attacked in 1993 so in the same area i mean it winds me up that that he would kill people in the first place but it really winds me up that like when serial killers are so like brash and cocky that they'll kill someone in the immediate vicinity where they killed somebody else yeah it really irks mm-hmm. me. <laughs> like, I, and it's, it's, do you think... Yeah, it just annoys me so much. Do you think he did that? Because didn't Jack the Ripper kind of keep to his locations pretty on on bar? So I'm wondering if that's why. I mean, I mean, yeah, like... It, oh yeah no yeah it didn't even it didn't even come come across for a second then obviously he's got the the jack the ripper sort of um fanaticism so oh no yeah. no, no no that's a fair point that's a fair point kind of it, it's gross yeah. it's fair but it's gross no, i don't like all, it but <laughs> we're not endorsing it <laughs> i hate it <laughs> like not saying it's good, but just saying he's still a piece of yeah. shit. <laughs> Doesn't change the fact that he is garbage. Yeah, he's just a piece of shit with a plan. Yeah, <laughs> as mentioned, only a mere three hundred sixty meters from where Claire had been murdered in nineteen ninety three, which don't like that. Colin allegedly stabbed Charlotte eight times in the back. She would go on to reportedly sustain five wounds to her right hand, which was due to trying to defend herself from Colin. So she's getting stabbed in the back eight times. Then her right hand's injured because she's trying to protect herself. Similar to the previous attack, Colin would flee the scene to his car, which was parked nearby. And then I'm pretty sure after he went to his girlfriend's place, but he fled. Like he didn't stick around. He didn't, you know, try to dispose of the body or anything like that. Like he just, he he was in and out, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I'm a head out now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm a head out. Yeah, th- th- this is done. Okay, cool. Goodbye. Um, yeah. But yeah, he goes to his then girlfriend's house. Uh, her name is Stella. While Charlotte lay to near death, however, luckily, she survived. So 
apparently Charlotte was wearing a puffer jacket, so like a really big puffy jacket. Yeah. And that actually made it difficult for Colin's knife to actually hit major organs. Oh, okay. So if she hadn't been wearing that coat, I kind of wonder if we would be having a different discussion about her death. But because she was wearing that jacket. Yeah basically saved her life so from anything like if if anyone's going to take anything from this episode buy the thickest puffiest coat always (laughs) and always wear it i'm gonna tell my manager like right i've got the best sales pitch for our for our puffer jackets i've I've got the best sales pitch honestly (laughs) honestly this is gonna sell us so many jackets kerry honestly (laughs) what what is it so you no idea like bear with me honestly just bear with me (laughs) have you heard about this case (laughs) but you know it's it's a remarkable that something so mundane like wearing a jacket on on a day like that right like it's just what you know and what are the odds as well yeah that day you're wearing that jacket exactly and you know in another positive to this awful situation there were also supposed eyewitnesses who saw colin leave in his ford capri near where charlotte was attacked which would be later beneficial for investigators and i believe charlotte was able to identify colin in a lineup which was also a huge help in pinning Colin for his crimes. Fuck you, Colin. (laughs) Basically. uh, We'll have more about what's in store for Colin after a quick word from today's sponsor, Anna Luisa. Christy and I are happy to announce today's sponsor is none other than the high-quality jewelry brand, Anna Luisa. That's right. And what better time to chat about some beautiful, affordable, and unique pieces from Anna Luisa than right before Mother's Day. Oh, right. Mother's Day is coming up on Sunday, May 8th. What a better way to spoil that motherly figure in your life than with jewelry from Anna Luisa. Or even treat yourself. Anna Luisa is currently doing a buy one, get one 40% off sale. So why not treat yourself? Well, that's tempting, especially with jewelry starting as low as $39 and new collections being released every Friday. Mm, Very tempting. Alex and I had the chance to try some pieces from Anna Luisa and let's say we're in love. I am obsessed. I have the willow necklace and I don't think I'm going to ever take it off. I've already got my mom trying to snag my Anna Luisa pieces and I'm already exploring the pieces Anna Luisa has for Mother's Day this year. They've got rings, necklaces, earrings, and more. If you're struggling to find one piece, definitely check out their gift sets. And with buy one, get one 40% off, you're going to be able to find so many options. And you can't go wrong. And if you need a gift for mom, someone who's like a mom, or maybe just yourself, as we already said, check out Anna Luisa, spelled A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. That's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. Make sure you check out shop.analuisa.com slash weird distractions, or check out the link in today's episode notes so you can buy one gift and get another for 40% off. Anna Luisa, get yourself something beautiful. And we're back. So once police were aware and given a description of Colin after Charlotte's attack, he was reportedly quickly arrested under suspicion of murder and attempted murder and a bunch of other things. Murder. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Colin's car was investigated by police in which they found the school tie from Colin's 1988 attack along with his journal. 
which that's I'm not saying I'm glad he was sloppy, but that's yeah. sloppy. Yeah. And I mean, let's be honest, that churner was going to be pretty fucking damning. Like, yeah. Just a smidge. Just a, Just smidge. a smidge. Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. On top of that, though, he allegedly confessed to the 1988 and 1995 attacks uh, once further questioned by police. So he eventually was like, yeah, I did it. It was me. Hi. I am the one that is responsible. Uh, So although evidence was piling up for the 1988-1995 attacks, investigators who at this point I think had lumped Claire's case into this kind of series of other attacks, they weren't able to pin it on Colin. They... It's hard to it's hard to kind of explain, but so I'm gonna do my best. But basically, they had some eyewitness testimony pointing to it being Colin, like descriptions of people seeing Colin fleeing the scene of Claire's 1993 murder. You know, there's a little bit of strange behavior which we'll get into, but nothing was pinnable, yeah, quite yet, so to speak, which is frustrating beyond belief. Yes, definitely. Colin had allegedly called police the day after the attack to admit that he was at the scene. Now, this is weird. He, I don't know if this was, I, I don't really know what was going on, but basically he calls police and he Flat out tells him, yeah, I was I was at the scene. Um, I don't know if perhaps he maybe caught wind that people were suspecting him or placed him there, but he called them and was like, hey, yeah, I, I was there. Maybe. Uh, he called them again and like a couple days after and basically repeated himself, but the story had changed a bit. That's, biz- yeah, that's really odd. It reminds me of, um, so didn't, didn't BTK used to, write letters to police being like oh so i you know that person that yeah that was me and this is where the body is and this is how i did it yeah it reminds me of that obviously like btk was a dumbass (laughs) oh yeah yeah don't give please (laughs) don't give the police your floppy disk and then believe them the floppy disk yeah (laughs) oh that always that that makes me laugh so much every time Um, every time every time i hear it i'm just like man what a like, of course, the police are, are going to be like, yeah, we oh, don't. Yeah. We, yeah, we we can't. Yeah, we can't yeah. track you. We can't track that. <laughs> like, you know, it, it just every time like I hear about it, it just sort of all I hear, all I see in my head is like him giving them the floppy disk being like, so you can't trace that, can you? And the police being like, yeah, no, we no, we can't. And then when the police are like, so. Yeah, uh, we we lied. All I can picture is him doing like the surprised Pikachu face, like <gasps> yes, like <gasps> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you know, I think I think because Colin was in touch with police, they're like, okay, this guy has got to be it. But yeah, and I say unfortunately, but I I don't know. Maybe that's not the right term. But his mom Diane, who once again political figure cleared up speculation from investigators stating that apparently he had been driving her home around the time of Claire's attack. So therefore he couldn't possibly have been at the scene of Claire's murder because he was with his mum, right? Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Being a woman of great stature in the public, police probably assumed that Diane's statement was true, even though Colin was coming off as a very probable suspect in Claire's murder. I should also mention that Colin and his family also attended Claire's funeral, and some believe that the two, being Colin and Claire, actually potentially knew each other from a local British Legion club. Yeah. On top of that, I further read that Linda and Cliff were supposedly chums with Diane and Aubrey. So the families knew each other, Claire and Colin knew each other. You know, I think 
there are probably some camps of people that think, well, if they knew each other that well, there's no way that that could have happened. And then other camps thinking, oh, for sure. If they knew each other, easy, easy, easy suspect, easy target, right? Yeah. So Colin would be convicted of the previous attempted murders and was handed three life terms in order to serve 15 years for the 1988 attack of the previously mentioned unnamed victim and the attack on Charlotte in 1995. From what I gathered in my research, Colin's father was imprisoned for 12 months in 1997 for charges of perverting the course of justice. So apparently during the trial of the 1988-1995 attacks, his dad admitted that he had dismantled, boiled, and discarded a knife that was presumed to be used in either the unnamed 1988 victim or in Charlotte's attack. So he went to jail as well. What are your thoughts on that? I'm interested to know. Well, I'm still I'm trying I'm trying to comprehend that. That's madness. Right? Um and so so first off the the mum being like, "Oh, my son didn't do yeah. that." That uh that oh that that gets that gets to be so bad like because i always knowing yeah yeah because i i always like see stuff where like the parent or the parent be like oh no my son could never do that my son would never hurt a fly and it's just like oh (laughs) no your son's your son's a piece of shit like yeah yep your son drops information (laughs) about mike or mike the ripper jack the ripper all the time mike the ripper it's the the trashy version of jack the ripper (laughs) mom i want jack the ripper we got jack the ripper at home jack the ripper at home (laughs) mike the ripper (laughs) mike the ripper but yeah it's it's interesting to me and i think that gives a little bit of debate i mean i'm not a parent i don't have any offspring so i i feel like my opinion in it would be um unjust and biased but would you ever lie to officials if your child was responsible for rapes and murders and just nefarious shit like would no yeah See, and I feel like I would be the same. Like, nope, mm-mm, ratting that, ratting that person out, like, ratting that yeah, kid out. Yeah, exactly. So like, send his ass to fucking jail. Like, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're my son at all, but fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> like, fuck off. Yeah, jail, but you're kind friend. of an asshole. <laughs> like, yeah. And you know, I, I, I would hope that there are people out there like that as well. But I also see where people are like well that's my child you know like there's that bond that i i have never had so i can't i i can understand it from afar but i i don't know how i would react in the situations i think what i'm trying to get at so no i get that yeah his dad 12 months because he basically got rid of a a weapon (laughs) which is concerning very concerning that's a bit worrying isn't it (laughs) yes so colin was arrested for the attack on charlotte and the other unnamed victim and obviously prosecuted and sentenced but what about claire basically until further evidence could be gathered claire's case was forced to wait to be tried that and colin continued to state that he was not responsible for her murder unlike previous confessed crimes so because he was so i don't want to say forthcoming but because he eventually did say yeah i i did the 1988 and the 1995 attacks, but, you know, didn't do Claire's. I think that made it a little bit tricky too. Yeah. But regardless, like, it's still, there's still so much, like, to me anyways, as an outsider looking in, that points to him. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. It's just, and we'll we'll get to it a little bit more. Um, but obviously, this news was more than devastating for Claire's family and friends, and really kind of the community at large. Even though Colin was behind bars, which could be considered a good thing, there must have been feelings of injustice, you know, amongst everybody. And Claire's family and friends wouldn't remain silent throughout, you know, kind of everything going on, which brings us to kind of a, more of a timeline of further legalities surrounding the case. The case does go cold. Okay. I will, I will say that. So in 2003, Claire's case had been reopened after a law change where jurors were allowed to hear about defendants' previous legal histories, i.e. previous convictions during trial. So this was huge. This would mean that if per- prosecutors wanted to try Colin for Claire's death, they could bring up his previous convictions to show that it could have likely been, co- like it could have been Colin, yeah. right? You know, he, it's the same MO, it's the same method of, you know, attack. Yeah. It's kind of like th- it fits, yeah, doesn't it? It really does, right? Um, because to me, I would have a hard time believing that from 1988 to 1995, yeah. he did nothing. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Right? Investigators began interviewing Colin's fellow inmates to see if they could gather any information from them. So supposedly, Colin had told fellow inmate Stefan Dubois or Dubois, Dubois, Dubois. He told his fellow inmate <laughs> Stephen. The boys. The boys. <laughs> um, that he that he had described an incident where he had witnessed a girl on a pedestrian crossing before reportedly snapping and stabbing her multiple times. Stefan kind of assumed that Colin was maybe talking about the attack on Charlotte. However, that attack didn't allegedly take place near a pedestrian crossing. Investigators felt that perhaps Colin was actually referring to Claire's murder, given hers was the only one located near a pedestrian crossing. So now jumping from kind of this time to September of 2013, police reportedly gained a warrant to search the Ash Smith's home in correlation to Claire's murder. Now, at this point, jumping near your head, Colin was set for early release, which is terrifying. So yeah. In February of 2014, um, you know, Colin's ready to rock. He's ready to get out. He is just probably beaming with excitement, knowing that he's gonna be free. Uh, but instead he was granted with a murder charge of Claire Tiltman. So literally, I think if I'm not mistaken, it was like a couple of days before he was supposed to be released or the day he was supposed to be released. He gets a fax with the charges in prison. And it's like, well, you're not going anywhere, brother. You are staying put until we figure this out. Oh, that's brutal. (laughs) Get the the guards. The guards are like, so... I hope you like weren't looking forward to getting out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I hope you were like really, really. I hope you've you know made a lot of friends in here and you've gotten <laughs> settled and you're really comfortable because. Yeah. Do you want the good news or the bad news? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the good news is um, you don't have to worry about buying new clothes when you get out. <laughs> The bad news, yeah, uh, you're gonna want to call a lawyer. <laughs> you know, you know that, you know that dish that you like on Tuesdays. Got the good news, <laughs> you can have that even more. The bad news is because yeah. you're staying here, <laughs> but you still got pasta on a yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, Woo! yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of ironic, right? And you know, assumingly, investigators found enough evidence to lay charges. 
obviously. And by December 12th of 2014, Colin was found guilty for the murder of Claire Tiltman. Owing being 24 years old, roughly, I mean, I, I was trying to do the math earlier and I was like, eh, I feel like there's some numbers wrong here, but he was in his early 20s when Claire died. Colin was now 46 in 2014 and was given an additional life sentence mm-hmm. with a minimum of 21 years. Now, I want to read some quotes from the justice, uh, Mr. Justice Sweeney, from the sentencing hearing, which the link to this PDF can be found in the show notes for today. I would highly recommend anyone who's interested to take a peek because it's very profound, um, hence why I wanted to share it with everybody today. So, quote, you have been convicted of the brutal murder of Claire Teltman which you carried out in a dark alleyway just off of the main London Road in Greenhithe in Kent in the early evening of January 18th, 1993. You stabbed her nine times with a large knife and she died from her injuries at the scene. In the meanwhile, you made good your escape back to the house in nearby Swanscombe, where you were living with your parents. You were age 24 at the time. Claire, who you knew via the local British Legion Club, was the only and much-loved child of Cliff and Linda Tiltman. You murdered her just four days after her 16th birthday. That said, and whilst you only have yourself to blame for not admitting Claire's murder in the mid-1990s, it seems to me that I must also have an eye to the total minimum term that would have been imposed had you been convicted of this offense and sentenced for it, along with the other offenses in 1996. In that regard, I agree with your counsel that the minimum term would not have been exceeded 40 years. In my opinion, the appropriate minimum term by the operation of Schedule 22 is one of 21 years. Colin Ash Smith, the sentence that I pass upon you is one of life imprisonment with a minimum term of 21 years end quote so literally the judge said mic drop (laughs) i'd give you 40 if i could but i guess i'll give you 21 yeah (laughs) so yeah just that was such a that was such a mic drop i like i like it he the justice was getting his um his savage on yeah Yeah, for sure. And according to the Murder UK website in November 2015, Colin, of course, launched an appeal against his conviction on the grounds that Mr. Justice Sweeney had wrongly allowed material to go before the jury. However, it was rejected. This appeal never, never appealed anything. So the Court of Appeal said, no, mm mm-mm. Bye. You're you're staying put. So as of today's date, Colin is 54 years old and technically would be released, if my math is right, in 2035, where he would be in his late 60s. Now, we are nearing the end of the case, but I did want to talk about a potential other theory that I saw. Because, of course, because this isn't like an open and shut case, I mean, this took two decades to be shut for Claire. But there is another possible theory out there regarding another potential suspect of Claire's murder that's not Colin. I just want to briefly brush just to say I did. And just because I thought it was kind of interesting. Apparently, a defense counsel by the name of Alistair Walker, who I believe represented Colin, uh, had suggested that a man by the name of Robert Knapper may be one responsible for Claire's murder. Now, have you ever heard of Robert Knapper? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Okay. And I honestly never heard of him prior to. And Homeboy's also not the greatest human being. So, I mean... Well... Were him and Chad's, not Chad. Why, why did I call him Chad? <laughs> Where did Chad come from? Who's Chad? Who's Chad? I mean, you may as well have been called Chad because all well. Chads are a bit of yeah. Oh, all absolutely. Chads are a bit 
ropey, aren't they? Um, yes. It sounds yes. like Colin and what was this guy's name again? Robert. Robert Napper. Robert Napper. It seems like him and it seems like those two, the, the way you sort of set that up, sounds like they're two, two peas in a pod because this guy doesn't sound that promising either. Yeah. Is that right? No, absolutely not. They uh, both uh, no. <laughs> get get shelved on the shitty person human shelf together. Oh dear! Basically. They both went to and... private school. That's the that's the issue. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I kind of figured I would briefly discuss Robert just to acknowledge kind of the presented theory and just kind of as a heads up that this person is walking human trash. So Robert Napper was reportedly born on February 25th, 1966 in Urith. R-E-R-I-T-H. Urith. That's how I pronounce it. But I am known to not speak English very well. So that may or may not be right. We'll go with Erith. <laughs> all right, all right, cool, cool, cool. Fair enough. <laughs> so apparently, it's located in Greater London. However, he was supposedly raised in Plumstead, which is southeast London. According to the resources I read, Robert unfortunately suffered a sexual assault by a family friend when he was only twelve years old. So you know, obviously, encountered a very traumatic situation at a very young yeah. age, and yes, this did affect him and who he was afterwards from what i gathered robert would later commit his own sexual assaults and murders and was once referred to as the green chain rapist and the plumstead raper now according to murderpedia robert was also known to wield a knife in his murder attacks and his primary victims were young women oh. and sometimes their oh, children okay. so so this guy's a real gem yeah, <laughs> oh. yeah. You know, just <laughs> cash, cash, cash information there. Uh, as far as from what I gathered, Robert has been tied to the murders of Rachel Nickel, who was 23 years old, um, and that took place or in J- July 1992, and Samantha Bissett, 27, along with her four-year-old daughter in Plumstead Whoa. in November of 1993. So kind of around the same time as Claire, Claire's murder. Right. Mm. One of the main arguments for Claire's death being done by Robert is that she fit the victim profile of Robert's other victims being a young female. And another notion is that Robert's crimes weren't isolated to one place, meaning that he could have been in the area around the same time as when Claire was murdered. However, with that being said, Robert has never been charged or admitted to murdering Claire. And, you know, for those listening, let us know what your thoughts are. Personally, I believe it was Colin. Yeah. That's who I'm leaning towards. That's definitely. Yeah, I'm always interested in hearing different potential theories and what have you. But I I think at the end of the day, personally, I'm leaning more towards Collins. Yeah, I would. would, After like hearing the evidence, I'm. I'm, Yeah, I'm gunning for Colin. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I would I would be in the same boat as you, I think. Yeah, for sure. So to kind of summarize today's case, it's a it's a big one. So to kind of wrap everything up so to speak the murder of claire tiltman is another sad reminder that even civilized humans can be disturbing animals for those wondering claire's parents never witnessed colin being charged or convicted with the murder of their daughter linda reportedly passed away at age 56 in 2008 while cliff passed away in september of 2012 prior to cliff's passing he was reported stating the following quote in January of 2012, so literally months before he passed away. This quote was regarding the unsolved murder of his daughter, Claire. Quote, It would mean everything to me to find out, after all these years, who did this to Claire. It's been a long time, but I've never given up hope and never will. I can't begin to put into words how this has affected our family. Claire has gone. Her mom has gone. There is only me. There is now only me. 
I try to stay strong, but will still hide and cry my eyes out for an hour. She would have been 35 now. She was a good kid. I miss her to bits. End quote. Oh, bless his heart. Yeah. So as listeners of the show know, I'm not an overtly religious person by any means, shape, or form. However, if there is an afterlife where loved ones can reconnect, I hope that Claire, Linda, and Cliff are there and can hold each other once again and, you know, can see each other. Yes. Um, after all of this kind of trauma and heartache. And that is the case of Claire Tiltman, a.k.a. The Crimes of Colin Ashsmith, and the weird segue information about Robert Knapper. What are your thoughts on the case, Dom? That was a, that was a doozy. That was good. Uh, that, was, that was really good. It's, it's always nice to, to hear... Obviously, it's nice to hear about cases that I haven't heard of. And it's nice to hear about cases from the UK as well that I'm not familiar with yeah um, for sure yeah that was that was very very good um yeah i really enjoyed that very much so well good good i'm glad and you know i'm glad that you were able to join us today if you don't mind could you just plug your show once more for the listeners yes. of weird distractions so that they can tune into your show they can follow along and you know kind of stay up to date on, on all of your episodes yes um so you can find horror house uh, anywhere you listen to your podcasts, um, you can find uh, the podcast on Instagram at Twitter at horrorhouse horror underscore pod on Facebook at horrorhousepod. I will not. Uh, I've, I swear I won't neglect the Facebook page. I can't. I, I can't really commit to that. But definitely Instagram and Twitter. Um, I am. That's probably where I'm most active. And and yeah, that's where you can find me. Give me a follow on Spotify. Give me a follow on the social medias, and come join me every Friday if I'm not snowed under by assignments. So <laughs> every Friday, brackets potentially there might be a Friday there where there won't be an episode. But you know, ninety percent of the time. Uh, join me every Friday. Perfect. Perfect. Before I drop some of our information, just want to say thank you to Anna Luisa for partnering with us as today's sponsor. Don't forget, go to shop.analuisa.com slash weird distractions. Make mom's day and treat her to new jewelry pieces with Anna Luisa's buy one, get one 40% off sale. One piece for her and maybe one piece for yourself. That's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A. -A -A. And don't forget to use the link in today's show notes so they know that we sent you. If you've enjoyed today's Weird Distractions episode, consider telling your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else who will listen. You can tell them to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, Podchaser, and more. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, please consider leaving a rating or review. On Spotify, you can also leave us a five-star rating as well. This helps get more attention to our weird little show, and you can do this for free. Another way to support the show for free and to make sure you never miss an update is to follow us on our social media platforms over on Instagram, Twitter, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. If you're wanting more weird distractions and want to support the show financially, consider joining one of our two tiers over on Patreon. Both tiers currently get early access episodes, ad-free episodes, and monthly bonus episodes. You can find out more by going to patreon.com slash weirddistractionspodcast. Not able to subscribe for a monthly fee over on Patreon? Not a problem. You can financially support and still get something for yourself over on Redbubble. You can find some of our merch designs available on sweaters, notebooks, t-shirts, and more. Head on over to Redbubble's website and look up Weird Distractions Podcast. You can also make a one-time donation over on Buy Me A Coffee, which you can find that link in our social media bios. Lastly, we love to hear from our listeners. We're always collecting your weird tales of true crime, paranormal encounters, and any other experience that made you think, hmm, 
That was weird. We've released two listener distractions episodes and we'd love to keep doing the series. So please email us your weird tales to weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. Please make sure to let us know if you want us to use your name or keep your story anonymous. You can also email us any corrections that need to be made after today's episode. Well, thank you again for joining. And as always, if you need a distraction, we got you. Yes, we do. Bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.